Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with Adira Amram, who is a performance artist um, who I met when I was performing stand-up and have just enjoyed her phenomenal work ever since. Her entire family are artistically and musically talented, and her pop, the composer David Amram, is probably the best known. But her siblings, as well as her mom, all have their own voice, and I have just had so much fun watching Adira, and I really wanted to share her work. So please enjoy our interview, and please go out and check out her work as well. I mean, after you listen to our interview, it's more important to listen. You could Google her at the same time. Okay, just listen and enjoy. It was really fun as a kid. I mean, because there was just always people to, different people there. It was never really boring. Yeah. Um, Where was it? Where did you go? Up in um, Putnam County, which is in the Hudson Valley. So oh, it's like uh, maybe an hour and a half from the city. So a lot of times my, my dad would have friends that were coming into the city to do whatever. And they would need a break because it was also like New York City in the 80s. People would, it wasn't as fabulous as it is now as far as, I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to switch from, yes. from your childhood growing up with, you know, two um, musician parents and your mom being an actress and playwright yeah. as well to now when you're performing on the same stages, at least, as your dad. Yeah. Is that and true with your yeah, sister and brother, nice. too? Yeah, we, we um, yeah, I perform. It's really cool, actually, getting to do stuff with my sister and my brother and my dad. I love it. It's really fun. And, um... It's, it feels very natural because I grew up doing that. I, even when I was a little kid, my dad would always come every year and do a concert at my school. And I was really embarrassed because you're a kid and you don't want to stand out. My dad would come and be like, okay, Adira, you're going to come on stage and play the maracas now with me. And, and I was like, uh, I'm embarrassed. But I, I loved, I mean, now in retrospect, it was like really cool. It seems very romantic from the outside. You know, yeah. I look at families like the Wainwrights. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's how your family sort of seems to me. Yeah, we, we um, I feel very lucky that I grew up with my parents because they're also just really cool, nice people. Well, I, I wonder now also for your mom, is it odd that she gets recognized for being in one of your videos? She loves it. <laughs> she was also so funny when we, when I first... So it wasn't my idea to actually have her in the video. The director, Jim Turner, was like, we should, I mean, we should probably have, um, like, maybe, would your mom want to do it? And I was like, uh, I don't think so. Let's set up the video for people yeah. who haven't seen it, and then I hope that you guys will log on to watch it because it's so fabulous. Thank you. It's about hanging out with your mom. Yeah. And going home. Yes. And it's about, well, it's about smoking weed with my mom, which, um... I did. My family was like very drug free when I was a kid. It wasn't at all like I. I thought I would get in trouble for that. I mean, in high school, I was afraid. I mean, I didn't smoke weed in high school. I didn't drink. I was a total nerd because my parents were like, "You can't do that. That's wrong." And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna probably you get AIDS if you do drugs, right?" So it wasn't. It wasn't, my parents didn't think that was funny, it wasn't encouraged, so it was a very straight household. But then, when I was like 23 or 4, my mom had gotten remarried and I went to her house one time and my mom was like, do you want to smoke some pot? And I was like, what the hell is going on here? 
what? That's not okay. Pot? And um, then I was like, well, I guess so. And then it was just like the best because my mom was high and then was like, oh, let's make some food. And then we'd just, my mom's an amazing cook, so she just would whip up all this food. It's like a, a stoner's paradise. But I was reading about an interview you were in where you talked about ballet giving you discipline. Yeah. And that your, your parents may have put you in it to sort of calm you down a little bit? Or, I think so. Or I, create structure? And I was, I'm the middle child, so, you know, the middle child is, like, desperate for attention. I don't know what you're talking about. You're the middle child, too? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Give it up. High five. Middle child. I'm like, look at me. No one's looking at me. Okay, how about you guys? Are you guys going to look at me? Yeah, so uh, I think they were just like, well, we need to do something with her. I think they just thought it would be, I should do something. And I really liked it. It was something that I felt was my own thing. And I kind of, I think, especially when you're the middle child and also the second daughter, you really need to kind of differentiate yourself. Because if you're, if there are like two girls and a boy, then it's like the girls. Totally. And so you become this kind of like duo. And so I kind of needed something that was my own thing. And and um, I found that in ballet. And I really liked that there was a place where I was kind of accountable, where in the rest of my life I could kind of just jazz my way out of st- stuff. Because in, in school, it's clearly in your home life that that was encouraged yeah. to be sort of artistic and, yeah. and um, silly and fun. And, um, and school was like, I think I found, like, school was, f- I went to public school, was pretty relaxed. I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest kid in school, so I was like very average and kind of fine with that. I, I, it's so funny because I, I, I later figured out that I would always be a B student, whether I was at Harvard or Santa Monica yeah. Community College. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I knew that it was partly the sort of middle child thing yeah. of like it didn't really matter the the aptitude of my classmates. I would find myself in the middle no matter where well, I went. I wonder, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I never even, like, thought about being the best in the class. I was like, no, someone else is going to do that. I'll just be fine here. And here, ballet is creating this, like, very serious structure. Yeah. And I think I liked also the thing of being around all those girls. and, And there was, like, you know, of course, this, like, competitive aspect to it. But I never really felt like I was part of that because I always was a bit of an outsider even within the ballet world because I was like, I'll do the fun part. Can I be the boy? Can I be the, like, goofy part? And, like, nobody else really wanted to do that. So I really had a place in some ways because I I was, like, other than the girly girls. I was kind of like a tomboy within that world, which... um, It makes it a healthy experience, I was going to say, because um, so much about ballet is about conforming. Yeah. And the beauty of it is learning the structure... Yeah, of dance and that everything's connected and timing and discipline are crucial. Mm-hmm. Like you're always going to have to go back and do these basic steps in rehearsing. But the conformity in terms of gender identity is fascinating. And I think especially it's like a really interesting thing to like be a kid in puberty and being like many hours during the week in a leotard and tights. You know, it's like... Um, my dad really taught us hard work. That was something. I was going to say, that, because he's so prolific. Yeah, he's a worker. He's a real worker. He works all day long. And loves it. I mean, I loves think when you're, when you're working on that level, they just yeah. lo- love it. Do, do you feel you have that same kind of hunger? Oh, I mean, not like my dad, no. 
I mean, I definitely am more of like, let's enjoy life. I, I take vacations. I spend a lot of time with friends. I have, like, I've been married now for almost eight years, and my husband and I spend a lot of quality time together. I, I mean, that having a life is very important to me, and I, I do find that that can be a conflict with being prolific as an artist, but I'm cool with that. I, me too. And I, I also wonder if there's a generational aspect to that of coming from super success to recognizing um, how much time that takes and yeah. the, the importance of having, like, my boyfriend and I will always talk about, like, our fathers were workaholics and I yeah. never saw him go to bed before two in the morning, my dad. And on one level, I'm so grateful to know how much it takes. Yeah. And on another one, I, I really just crave the balance. Yeah, and I think, and I, and I think also it's like, um, as women, I don't know if we have the luxury so much to work to that capacity uh, for as long. Like my dad didn't get married till he was forty nine. Oh wow! So he had a long time to just be one hundred and ten percent about his career. And I mean, I don't. I think if if a, if a woman wants to have more in her life. Um, for me anyway, I didn't, I don't, I don't see how I, in, with my energy level, how I could have... Without a wife. Everything. Yeah, I would love to have a <laughs> wife, actually. I've said that before. Oh, I think it's, I think that is what, what, <sighs> so often when we hear God. and see men who are outperforming and they yeah. have a family, and I'm like, how do they do it? How are they on the road and how are they yeah. touring? And they have this beautiful family, and it's like, oh yeah, they have a wife. I want to just bring people up to speed that you, yeah. you did, you wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And then you went to UCB and discovered comedy, or? Well, yeah, I went, I, yeah, so I did, I went to college... And at first I was studying acting and then I transferred to SUNY Purchase and was not studying acting there, but was a drama studies major and just was coming into the city to take acting classes over at Atlantic. Oh, wow, the Atlantic Theater Company. Yeah, and it was great. And I kind of did my own version of acting school that way because I was like, but this is cheaper and I get a real diploma. So I was like, this is is cool. So I did that. I really liked, I really found that... um, I feel like going to Atlantic was a real changing point for me as well because it took all of the um, emotional weight out of acting and, and clarified it for me in a way that I experienced again when I went to classes at UCB. I started taking classes at UCB right after I graduated from college and I felt it was re- I really liked that there was this clarity to how comedy worked, that someone had put the time in to kind of figure out like, oh, there, there's actually like a formula to how we can make something better or make something funny. Whereas, you know, I think um, there's a lot of it that you feel is just instinct or talent and, you know, there's somebody Absolutely. that put the time it, in to think about. It, get back, it, it gets yeah. back to the structure we were talking yeah. about with ballet. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, maybe that is why I kind of liked it too. There was like a... Because I, I think I'm naturally not that way. I gravitate towards structure. Like, I'm married to someone from Holland. Like, there is no one more disciplined and structured than my husband. Do you guys have the nicest furniture? You know what? He is a, um, he has his own business selling, like, collectible books. So everything in our apartment is stuff he's found at thrift stores, and it's all amazing stuff. It's all, like, mid-century modern. 
I was making a, a stereotype, a positive stereotype, yeah. but then you just reinforced yeah. it. Yeah, the guy, I mean, it's like, our house is so organized, he's like, there's a place for that. I'm like, really? <laughs> How do you know that? Do you know that? Do you make that up? I'm like, that's but, incredible. But you like the, the natural structure there. Yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love bossy people. Like, I love bossy people. I love organized people. I am, like, so super into people that have their shit together. It's like, those are my people, because I'm like, I am not that way. I completely Help hear me. you. And I do think that, like, you know, with the acting and, and comedy, when you talk about when you were younger, you know, I'm breathing on the floor and I'm an actor. Yeah, yeah. And then you have this template and, like, well, this is what it is. These are the steps you're going to need yeah. to take if you want to do Shakespeare. And these are the steps you're going to need to take if you're doing a Sam Shepard play. Yeah. Or if you're doing a one-woman show or a one-man show, like, uh, you know, Eric Bogosian. Yeah. You know, here, here are these, you know... Templates are not, and they're not formulas. I think that's the difference: is having the template versus the like. You can't say I'm going to put in X, Y, and Z. You can't factor yeah. in and say this will equal this formula. But you can have a template for like what's the parameters for it. I'm just talking. And I cliches. and I think actually the parameters are a really important thing artistically anyway, and that's like a little off topic. But I also wanted to say that. <laughs> Well, no, no, say it. I am always, I feel like I always create better work when I have a structure to create that in. And I have, I have limitations or parameters. That is when I get really creative. When people are like, do whatever you want, I'm like, I can't think of anything to do. But if someone says, like, I have an obstacle for you to get around, that's when I can be incredibly creative. And, I mean, I'm, I guess that's probably most people have need that to be inspired, but... I don't know how consciously aware um, people are uh, who watch or who are viewers or fans, mm-hmm. um, but I think when you're in it, you'll talk to other people and you'll get that. Yeah. And so someone will see Reggie Watts perform. Re- but Reggie is like a genius, though. Yeah, he is undoubtedly right. a genius. There's, there is, for him, he has some type of method to his madness, and that is his template. So yeah. that I, I feel like no matter how loose it feels as a, as a fan, yeah. as a watcher, the artist, him or herself, has a method to their madness. Yeah. And you're, you're creating yours. Yeah. I used him as an example because I, I think you guys um, are similar in that you create an experience for people. That's so nice of you to say. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. He and I actually had a really funny experience. We played a festival together in um, Austin, Texas. No, but it was outside in Austin, Texas. And we ended up like having these like couple days in Austin um, and we stayed at my godmother's house. It was just really, it was really fun to hang out with him in, like, outside of New York. And we were both just like, we're in Texas. So do you, do you parent now with more structure than you had growing up? Um, I enforce a bedtime, which I don't think I ever had a bedtime, I ever. I had no rules. I used to just, like, I remember just, we would go to bed. And then I would just come downstairs and watch TV with my dad. Because I was like, this seems more fun than being in bed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have a bedtime. We didn't really have a lot of rules. Um, and it was, I mean, my mom, there were three of us. So, like, how could you have rules? Either you're like a, it's like a super intense, like, you can't do anything. Or it's just like, okay, well, just please don't hurt anyone. Yeah, that was the rule. No, yeah, no death. Yeah, like, my sister and my brother and I, we would, like, beat the shit out of each other. I mean, it was really... There were some brutal fights, too. Because, you know, you're trying to, like, get your space. 
And so but, now you all are, are, are you all musicians? Yeah, my sister is an amazing singer-songwriter. She's out in L.A. And she has a band called Alana Amram and the Rough Gems. And they're awesome. And she's just, she has a new record coming out, and she's like, she's amazing. She's like a superstar. She's gorgeous. She's like six feet tall. She's amazing. just like us. She's just like me, 5'4". What the fuck? Uh, yeah, she's amazing. And really an incredible... She really knows how to write songs, you know? Like, it's funny, when I listen to her music, I'm always like, yeah, that... Like, she makes choices that I would never have made musically and also lyrically that I... Every time I listen to her music, I'm like, man, that is so goddamn good. I'm like, she's so great. So and she's about, amazing. And what and about your brother? My brother is in a band called Ken South Rock with a guy from Japan. So it's a duo. My brother's the drummer, and Ken is a singer and guitar player. My brother also sings. And they tour a lot in Asia. They're doing a U.S. tour later this year, or in this spring-ish, winter-spring. And um, my brother's awesome. My brother is like, a, he's just super cool. He's like, has a half pipe in his apartment in his loft in Bushwick. He's just really cool. He's one of those kids that's like, like he, when he, he walks down the pipe. street, like in the neighborhood, he's like, hey, what's up? What's up? Like he knows everybody in the neighborhood and like, he still skateboards. He's like, he's just, he's just cool. Like my brother told me, he told me that I'm a yuppie. He just told me I'm a yuppie so, recently. So I'm like, can what you, the hell? Can you explain to me that how you're a yuppie? Well, he told me I'm a yuppie because um, I have a you, kid. I don't know. He, you have a kid and you tour with Kid Koala. Yeah, I don't know. He was like, look at your house. You're a yuppie. I'm like, why? Because I have food in the refrigerator? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I thought I was a hipster. And he's like, no way. You're not a hipster. You're a yuppie. So, I don't know, because I guess we go out to eat. I'm not sure. I'm like still coming to terms with this. I'm like... I don't want to be a yuppie. Well, so let's talk about... Because I always feel really unwashed. I'm like, am I a yuppie? I, I would never in a zillion years consider you a yuppie, but I would love to talk to you about, like, your voice. Because yeah. you're so modest. Oh, and, that's nice of you to say. And also grew up with all this beauty and talent. I mean, just true talent around you. Yeah. And I wanted to figure out how you would describe your voice. I, you know, it's really, actually, I still struggle with trying to describe it's it. The worst, because, yeah. Because, um... I just meant the question is the worst. I couldn't do it if someone said, what's your sense of humor, so... Yeah, it's diff- It's a difficult... Um, I, I'm always hoping that one day I'm going to really know the answer to that. I think I'm really still finding that because um, a lot of what I have done is by instinct. I Because you improvise on stage. Yeah, I improvise on stage, and I never really had this idea that this is what I was going to do. It just... This is... This is where my ideas have led me. You know, I was like, oh, it would be cool to, um, you know, I, I started performing because I was acting in New York and there's not a lot of performing that happens with that. There's a lot of auditioning and, like, sadness and um, that's about it is what I experienced. And so I thought it would be fun. I had friends that did open mics and I thought it would be fun to, like, be like, well, I'll try doing something. And... It was going to open mics and seeing that, like, people just would just do things. So I just, I'll just try to do things. And then at the same time, I was going to UCB and seeing improv for the first time that was, like, totally inspiring, blowing my mind. Like, I remember I saw, I saw two teams. I saw The Swarm and I saw Respecto. And 
it was like I still get like goosebumps when I think about how magical seeing improv like that was. I was like, oh my god, seeing people work together um, and create stuff that you can't really talk about afterwards. It's all about being in the room, and I was like, that's and that really inspired me. And then I saw also I. I used to go out to the Val Val sisters, used to do a show out in, um, what was that, Galapagos, that used to be on yes. North 6th Street. Yes. And seeing their show and just like how exciting it was to see live performance that really felt dangerous and sexy and um, relevant and like political in this way. And I was really like, wow. And that was also the time when like burlesque was starting up again and that's also a really cool time so I was just really soaking everything in at that point I didn't mean to interrupt but mm. I, but I but you have this tremendous bridge in your work because it is hard it's hard as an outsider to describe yeah. your work to someone else where you really do bridge sort of the finished entertainment um, quality yeah. of the sort of burlesque and performance art world and then have this utter you know ability to improv in the moment when you're it's a, it's a neat fusion of these two worlds because I would say the improv world is not finished. There's a yeah. there's an unfinished quality to people standing around in jeans and Converse sneakers. Yeah, and I think and there's something that um, I like that there's like a simplicity to that. That's like almost like the zen, the zen version of comedy where it's like we don't need anything, just our imagination and four chairs and like you just have people creating that world. And I also really love the. The the sh- entertainer, you know, like I'm like get some tap shoes and like some feathers and you know make like a, I love the show. The show. I love the show, and I'm like, and I think that's like my love for like Muppet Show is in that, and like my lo- I have a love for show, that um, like within the that that's something that I think for me was important as a performer to always feel like I was giving the audience like a show. Like, I'm like, I'm here to entertain you. When you go abroad, because you perform all over the world now. Yeah, excited. I'm very lucky to do that. So do, that do they all get it? They, uh, you know what? I was surprised that, yeah, they, they, they actually do, which um, there were some things. I, I realized I had to slow down my pace sometimes when I would be speaking. Um, because if you speak too quickly, people are like, What? Even when you're sort of rapping on stage, yeah, like can I don't you tell think I'm they, white and from, yeah. and from the I'm like even when you're rapping on stage, <laughs> I don't think they really under like some of the lyrics. I don't think they got, but I figured there's enough other stuff to look at that it's entertaining. So if they don't really understand the whole thing, I think American audiences though too don't necessarily know exactly what I'm doing all the time anyway, which is fine because it's like yeah, there's stuff for everybody here. I really like try to. I guess I really work hard on each piece. So I work on stuff for a really long time because I find that it takes me a lot. Like if I write something, there is an experience to it and then I need to find what, because when you're writing, and I don't know if you feel this way too, when you're writing a lot of, you're not really thinking about what you're doing. So sometimes it takes time after that to explore the work that you've created. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm saying that right. and also working on stuff with other people, like getting to work with my dancers. Yes. Um, then you have to work on it in another way. I don't know. There's all these layers to, to what, what it is. Once you started having your dancers, yeah. 
did that feel like that added an element of structure or parameters? Totally. Well, because, you know, before that, and I've known you for a long time, so before that, I used to just really improvise a lot on stage, and I would just fuck around all the time, and that was really fun for me, and I actually really liked doing that too, but um, they were like, you can't do that if we're on stage with you because then we don't know what's going on, so we have to, like, have a plan here. Because when I first started performing with them, I would just start to do that, and they were like, what the fuck's going on? Because not everyone has your ability to improvise, but I also think once you create that relationship, then there's probably more room for improvising. Yeah, and and I think now, as a group, we can just go with it more so, which is really fun. But yeah, once I started working with them, and I started working with the band at the same time, because it was all for this show I did at Ars Nova, is how the whole thing came together. I sometimes regret starting in New York because the stakes were so high right away yeah. that everyone saw you right away, and if they didn't that's, think you were good, that's the that's their image of you for the rest of your life. And that is that is a real true, true sad statement. I mean, yeah, there's the benefits too, where it like kicks your ass too, yep. but it definitely makes you, or makes me, not everybody, but it definitely was. It's it's hard for me sometimes to work on new things because I know that people paid to come. You know, if someone pays to come, I think in some ways it's your responsibility to know that you're going to deliver. It's tough to, um, and I think maybe that's my own thing. Maybe I should just be like, fuck it. I should just fuck around a little more, but. No, it's a really, it's an impossible question to answer because the only way you get better is from performing on stage. Yeah. And so you have to take risks and make mistakes yeah. on stage. Like, yeah. it's not like, oh, I'll, I'll just rehearse this at home and then it'll be perfect once I get there. I mean, there are some things that I'm sure I could be much more disciplined about to practice at home. Yeah. Um, headstands, mostly. <laughs> Mainly headstands. Mainly headstands. I did also want to ask, I did, I did want to ask about touring. Yeah. Like, what is that like? I'm, I'm sorry, because you've toured oh. all over the world. Um, touring is... Like well, it's, I've toured with Kid Koala, is and and that's a stuffed animal for people yes, who don't know. Yeah, he is um, he is amazing, and I'm forever grateful for his amazing friendship and and just it, it's like amazing touring with him. It's like a dream come true. It's like all the things like there's nothing there's nothing greater than getting like that to me. Getting to do that was. Um, or getting, it's just like the best thing. It's the best. It's um, so fun. I um, mean, to, to you just travel him? and and do shows that you're really proud of or is like the best thing ever. And how do you know how to uh, to negotiate prices or? Um, oh, I don't do any of that. Okay, so your managers and agents. And yeah, I don't have to do anything. It's okay. Kind of, like that's the other thing that it's been. I, I'm because I'm. Um, I'm opening up for him, and then we're in his show. Mm-hmm. This last tour, which was called Vinyl Vaudeville, um, it was so incredible, just super incredible. Do you get lonely on the road? No, I'm with Jesse and Marisa, and with okay. Kid Koala, and with um, our tour manager Pat, and our our sound guy Vid. It's the best. It's like being um, with your best friends, traveling around on a tour bus, having the best time. It's it's really a dream come true. And this last tour, we, we started in the fall of 2012. We started in Geneva. And when we got to Geneva, it was the first time we had actually ever done 
the Vinyl Vaudeville show um, with all the props and with all the costumes. And it was one of the most incredible nights of my life because we were like, we are going to just figure out how this all goes together. It was amazing. It was amazing. I got to perform, and we got to perform um, one of the other, like, incredible moments. We got to perform at the Moulin Rouge in Paris with, like, 700 people there, and it was just, like, really incredible. And performing with him has really changed um, the way I think about what I'm doing. Because he's an incredibly positive person and I feel like his his whole, uh, like getting to perform with him, he's an incredibly generous performer and just a generous person in general. And, and it really re-inspired me to keep going because um, it can be a lonely, <laughs> sad place. And um, so it was like a really great, great thing for, to happen in my life. When you're on tour, I see that you're making, making money. When you're performing yeah. here, ha, do you have to have a day job or anything oh, like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I super duper have a day job. Yeah, I uh, freelance in television production work doing, like, um, press junkets. So I'm a producer for press junkets. So I wake up at, like, 5 in the morning, and when people are promoting some kind of thing, they'll come into, like, a random satellite studio in New York, and... They'll talk to like 30 different stations from around the country, and I'm the person in the control room telling them like, okay, you're going to be talking to uh, Brandy in Topeka. And then, yeah, that's my day job. That's so cool. It's the best day job of all time, because I get up at, I'm there from like 5 to 1. So it's awesome. I have time to like do everything else. It's like all this like midnight hours of like when most people, like if I wasn't doing that job, I'd be kind of still at my house at 1 o'clock. Because oh, uh, yes. I'm not really a morning person, so it's kind of good because I wake up in almost the middle of the night, and by the time I am like what, know what's going on, I almost get to go home. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I have this amazing day job, and I have all these great people that um, all the people I work for know that I have this other thing, and they're, they're like really supportive and nice. And so when I went on tour, they're like, "Great job, good luck," you know. And you're able to go on tour and then come back. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Because it's not, it's, it's all freelance, so. Fabulous. Yeah, and everybody, they're, they're like the nicest people. You know, people that work in television, like crew people in television are the best. Um, Adira, Amram, even though I say Amram. I like when you, I, like, I feel like we're back in Hebrew school when you say that. <laughs> it was a pleasure and joy to have you on the Employee of the Month yeah. show. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you so much to Ian Mazel for editing this together. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a nice review on iTunes. If you're in New York, come to a live taping. I hope that this interview inspired you to either finish that novel, quit your day job, maybe get a day job, or self-medicate. And if it's self-medicating, don't do it alone. I'm available for a drink. 